It is natural for friendships to be largely about the things we do. We can have sports friends, work friends, and friends we make music with, yet covenant friendships have to be built on something more, on heart and purpose and matters of destiny. Find men of spirit and devotion to God and build manly connections with them. In the heart of a champion, there is a fire, and the flames are controlled by burning desire to be the best you can be, so everyone will see. Welcome back to the Code of Man podcast. This is Mike Overtrek Barnett, your host for this podcast, where we talk about what it means to unveil the divine image and the masculine soul to become godly men. And the quote that I read just before we started was from Stephen Mansfield's book, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and it's talking about the relationships that men cultivate with one another. That's part of today's discussion as we are in part two of a podcast series on the restoration of a man's soul. Last week, we discussed some of the things that lead men to a place where they need restoration. What causes that uh, that struggle in a man's life that he has come to a place where he needs to be restored? And it's true of all of us. We need restoration. So we talked about that last time. And uh, today, we're going to be talking about what it is that will actually restore a man's soul. And once again, we have with us today for the podcast, our dear, short, lively friend, 510. I don't know how I'm short. Uh, I reckon the dear, short, lively friend is Corey, well, easy target, Cantrell. May edit all that out again. Yeah. <laughs> may, may want you to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I always feel bad afterwards that I've slammed you first thing on the recording. Well, let's, I guess this is better to hook, go ahead and get it over with instead of oh, this. Oh, there's no problem. Guarantee Longing that. anticipation of when's going to be the first time. You yeah. know, it's just established right off the bat. There we all go. All right. And then <laughs> back with us today for this second recording on this topic is our good friend, Mr. Dean Roland Napoleon Carmichael. Hello, Dean. Good morning, and I'm not short, by the way. That's the easy target. Yeah. Why do we have to throw that back out there? I, mean, <laughs> I, I just I feel like we didn't finish the conversation. Wanted to keep it keep it rolling. I'll have just you know, with it. it's not that I'm short. I'm magnanimous. 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 What does that mean? I don't know, but it's it's a <laughs> close cousin to like magnificent. I'm pretty sure. I'll, well, I'll Google it. We're going to get uh, back to this discussion on the restoration of a man's soul and what will restore a man's soul. We know, I think, a little bit about why we need it. Sure, yeah. Uh, but how does this happen? How is a man going to, what is it that we need? Number one, we need the shepherding of Christ in our life. Every man needs the shepherding of Christ. I think just putting faith in, in the Lord uh, that he's going to do what he said he's going to do, right? Um, he he said he will, you know, restore us and forgive us. And I think of, uh, just off the top of my head, I, I think of the uh, the Heroes of Faith chapter, um, Hebrews chapter 11. And you think of all the many names that are listed there. These are folks that, 
you, you look at the names in that chapter. These are people who failed time and time again, but they also, they came back to the Lord. They put their faith in them, and he was able to use them in a mighty way. For example, you have the children of Israel, and it's got the one verse there about how they, uh, by faith, they, they crossed the, the Red Sea, how they got out of Egypt. But the very next verse, it talks about how the walls came down in Jericho, and you're like, wait a minute. You know, in between verses there, there's like 40 years of whining and complaining and, you know, uh, rebellion. But what happened was the Holy Spirit, you know, he when he inspired the, the writer of Hebrews, they left that out. He was focusing on the triumphs of the, of the believer. And what that was, that was faith. And, and one way we can get restored uh, is to have faith that God's going to do what he said he would do. But we just got to get rid of that self and, and go back to him, restore, you know, go back to where we were, and that's put faith in, in our shepherd. There's a submission that has to happen in our life of faith that we yield ourselves to the work of Christ in our life, whether it's your struggles or even if it's your strength. Your strength needs to be yielded to Christ so that it can be used in the right way to, to, you know, to do manly things like rescue others and lead others. But if we use it for our own gain to build bigger and better barns, we're just going to lose our soul. You know, We're going to dry up inside. So a man needs the shepherding of Christ. That's going to that's gonna be the foundation to everything else that we say about restoring a man's soul. Isolation was one of the things we mentioned. And I think that it's important also to have the fellowship of other men. You remember the uh, the Spartan phalanx? Is that how you say it? The phalanx? Phalanx. I, no. Flanks. Flanks? Well, we'll call it that. Maybe, yeah. The flank. Sure. The Spartans had their flanks. It fits. I mean, because the idea of, of that was to bring all of those soldiers together into a tight-knit group and to work together as one. All the shields interlocked together to provide this protection of one another. You know, they would have the long spears extending out. But the whole premise of it was that these men stood together, they worked together, they acted as one, and in so doing, they were very formidable, you know, in their, in their fighting. And that just kind of brings up the idea of fellowship, men, you know, locking their shields together, doing things together, facing life together. Think of you know how Elisha, he he refused to leave Elijah, and and one thing for me in my own personal life, there's there's no such thing as a self-made man, right? Mm-hmm. There 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 really isn't. You people have to invest in you, and I thank the Lord that He's put men in my life along my my journey that I needed at a certain time in my life, and I think of how Elisha, he not only refused to leave Elijah. And they had that friendship. It was it was like it was you know the the mentor and the trainee so forth. But not only did he refuse to leave him, but he asked for double of what Elijah had. He saw that there was something there. This is a man that's close to God. This is something that I want in my own life. And he he reached for the stars, so to speak. I mean, he asked for double of that. And I, I look back in my own life and I think of of different men that God placed has placed it throughout different times of my ministry that have helped me become a better man that I can learn from. And going back to what, you know, what we said earlier about iron, sharp, you know, sharpeneth iron, um, just thankful for that. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing, too, with having that, that fellowship of, you know, of other brothers, there's, there's some things in life that nobody else understands except for a man that is going through some similar struggles as you. 
none of us are walking in the exact same path of anybody else. We all have our own individual struggles, but I know there have been times in my life that I've been going through things and struggling with things that my wife just, she just does not understand. And it's not for a lack of wanting to understand it. And it's not even for a lack of, you know, caring. It's just that her mind doesn't work that way. She doesn't understand why the things that are troubling me would trouble me. She, it, it's just, there's a compassion to want to, but it just doesn't work because she's not wired that way. And so it has been vital to get through those times to be able to have another man to be a confidant. I can't tell you how many times I've called some guys and been like, hey, let me bounce this idea off of you. Let me let me run this by you. Just just to kind of get their feedback, because I know these are men that I trust. These are men that I respect. These are men that are growing, and you know, they're in the same process of their spiritual growth that I'm in. So what are some things that the Lord is doing to help you get through that? Some men that have been down the road, so to speak, and so they're, they're role models and they're uh, mentors and they're uh, guideposts, all those kind of things. We need a, a wide variety of that because if we try to figure this thing out on ourselves, that's what's always going to lead to that incomplete life and, and coming up short. You know, C.S. Lewis said this, I'm reminded of it, the next best thing to being wise oneself is to live in a circle of those who are. Mm. And that has always reminded me of the, you know, to, to, to remember that not one of us have all the answers in life, but each of us have some. So when we are together, we share all of that and we, we really become something bigger. Everything together is more important than the value of everything individually. That's right. But, you know, I was thinking back to that Grandfather Mountain trip. You ref- referenced Grandfather Mountain, but the, the, the last Grandfather Mountain trip. Now, there's a, there's a picture of the fellowship of others that came out of that. We all made it to the top of mm. that, that day, but, you know, everybody was pretty much beat up by that point. And coming back down, you know, that's the great thing. You get all the way over to the bridge area, and you, you realize, okay, this is great, but now I've got to go all the way back. I've got to go back up to the top and down the other side. And man, you, you you talk about needing your brothers. Correct. And Mitchell, for example, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm pretty sure when Mitchell, when we got to the top, after we, you know, got to the very top of when we started going down, it was just all downhill from there, if right. I'm not mistaken. But mm-hmm. like you said, Grandfather Mountain was not like that. I mean, no. it's, you know, up and down. So we ended up going in two different groups. Yes. Um, Easy Target was blessed with uh, with my company. And we had uh, Private Ryan, of course. That would have been easy company, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. Somehow or another, me and Private Ryan always end up, and there, there's a lot of a lot of great. That's a whole nother. That's a whole nother story there. There's a lot of good uh, Private Ryan stories, but in Mountain Monk. Yeah. So help me out here, Easy Target. I want to say it was getting dark, and you had your headlamp. This is I, a good story. Yeah, this is a great story. Um, I I want to say I had my headlamp. But the other two didn't. Right. Uh, just well, let me let me go back. Actually, Mountain Monk did have his. He was prepared, um, but his just wasn't working. He it was malfunctioning. <laughs> Private Ryan, on the other hand, we we all you know. Yeah. Private Ryan started off with great visions of grandeur. That yeah, we'll be back long before dark, and didn't bring his uh, necessary illumination tools just in case. But that's uh, a way to get back at him for calling you out last week. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Actually, he didn't call you out. That was Easy Target that called yeah. you. Or me. I don't remember. I want to say that was more um, overtrack. Should have been called Stonewall Fife, but we won't get there. But long story short, on our way back, we lost daylight. And it gets dark fast. I mean, it was pitch black. 
So you got Private Ryan on the heels of Easy Target, and then you have Mountain Monk in the back with, I think, my spare flashlight. And then I'm somewhere in the middle and with my head, <clears throat> with my headlamp, and I want to say it's beginning to rain. It, yes. Actually, it's yes. already is yes. raining. Yes. And so... In way in the distance, like way in the distance. Meanwhile, back at camp. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I'm just in our group. So, over or not over tray, easy target is so far ahead. I can barely see his light as long as I could see his light way out in the distance. And then I could look back and see Mountain Monk way back. I was fine. But the moment, you know, as soon as that light left, I would shout out and they would have to, to stop. It was very. We really leaned on each other on that way home. Well, it is important, too, you know, when it's pitch black dark and you don't have any light and you're seeing a headland up in the distance. Because I want to I verify that Private Ryan and I weren't leaving our group behind. It's not like we were just, you know, like miles up the road in the woods. But no. every every step is precarious at right. that point. And so, uh, but it, it did, there was a, definitely a lot of stopping and you guys all right back there. Keep the light going and moving on. I, I kept reminding myself i kept remembering i i don't remember if this was during the marriage retreat or if it was just a time but uh mrs roland napoleon and 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 mrs easy easy target we were all together one night and i remember that um easy target's wife made the statement because uh, we were talking about how roland napoleon here is not good with directions i'm just not very directionally challenged and it was it was brought up that easy target is directionally challenged as well so i'm in the middle of this it's raining i can't see and I hear Easy Target saying, you know, he's trying to keep us, trying to keep the morale up. Yeah, and he's like, uh, don't worry, fellas, we're almost there, just a little <laughs> while longer. And then after a while, his voice was beginning to tremble. He's like, uh, don't worry, guys, we're, we'll be there in a minute. And I'm thinking, he don't know where he's at. I don't know where I'm at, right? I'm, I'm lost. I'm in the middle here. And so. meanwhile, Mountain Monk is about to kill you all for correct saying such things. <laughs> correct. Which, yeah, yeah, he, he was, or he was going to kill you when he got back to camp. He was going to kill somebody. So I was kind of, I was kind of walking for my life uh, at that point in time. Yeah. But how rewarding it was to see the fire Hallelujah. in the distance and hear an overtrek and all the. Other fellows. That's our part in this rescue. Yeah. We had the fire going. Yeah, correct. In the rain, <laughs> uh, Cliff Goat, I believe, kept the fire going. Well, in, in Cliff, the rain. Cliff Goat and Berean Barista. Correct. And when we got back to camp, just seeing that fire and hearing the the fellas hoop and holler and encourage us, it was uh, it's probably the highlight of the trip. It uh, it took a little time to recover everybody from that yes. adventure into it the did. next morning, but what was great about it is everybody recovered. And everybody, you know, was ready to go and do it again. Maybe not that day, but ready to go again. So that's the that you know that's a picture of how that fellowship with other men pulls you through. Well, here's another thing that I think is important and can be very helpful to a man's soul, and that is achievement that comes out of rewarding or meaningful or purpose-filled work. I mean, when a man has something that he's supposed to do, something that he does that he can pour his life into, and he knows that it's making a difference, he's getting to use his talents, his gifts, his strengths, and he's achieving something. That's big for a man. To to have something that you are working for, that, you, that you're building for, no man wants to feel useless. No man wants to feel that they're just here taking up oxygen, living, breathing, and dying. You know, every every man longs for a purpose, even if they don't let that on, there's a deep rooted desire to 
to have something to contribute and to be needed by those that he surrounded himself with. So is with. that hardwired in our soul, in our in our design? I believe so. I mean, I, I believe that that's, that's a vital part of, of who we as men are. We go back to Genesis to get our foundations on understanding the, the soul of a man. I mean, God gave Adam work to do. And I think, Dr. Dean, you mentioned that in last week's recording, that work was something that didn't come after the fall. It was something that God gave Adam before sin even came into the world. It was purposeful. Correct. And it God did not create Adam as a, a puppet, right? He didn't create him just to sit around uh, for no reason. He he wanted to commune with Adam. And I, I agree with easy target there, you know, having that fulfillment in life and be, knowing that we have a purpose and we're here for for a reason. And that was Adam's purpose was to to keep the garden and to work in it even before the fall of man. How do you know? I mean, how does a man know if a man's listening right now, maybe he's debating this back and forth in his mind. How does a man know that his work is meaningful and that it's what makes that work rewarding? Well, I think it's revealed from the inside out. You know, there have been there have been jobs that I've done. There's been tasks that I've accomplished and finished what I was doing. Yet when I look back on it, there was no sense of, you know, man, I, I'm, I'm glad that I did that. I can see the value of that work. But then on the flip side, there's been times where I've done something that, man, it, almost immediately there, there's, a, there's an internal validation that, that this, this was a good use of my time. No matter on the outside of what anybody else thought, whether they thought it was important or not, there was value from within that I said, man, this this was a good use of the time and the talents that I had. All those things can be rewarding or unrewarding in the moment. But what about a man when he looks at his whole life and he says, look, what I'm doing doesn't feel very rewarding at all. Yeah. There's no purpose to this. I'm going in every day and I'm, quote, punching the clock and I'm just doing this thing for eight hours and going home and you know, just sustaining until I can get that paycheck. I mean, how does a man get out of that, out of that trap yeah. of depression and discouragement? A lot of it has to do with faith, right? Um, without faith, yeah. it is impossible to please him. And I believe it was J. Vernon McGee that said, it's easy to see the will of God for your life when you look back. And, and that is so true of my own life. I look back the last five, 10 years, the last year, and I can see God at work. At the time, I had no idea what was going on, but it's the same way with work. It's just having faith that you are doing exactly what God's will is for your life and doing it to your fullest ability. There's something about the desire of a man's heart. If we're not doing something that is satisfying the desire, I, I told my, I've told my, my children and especially my boys over the years that when you go about looking for what you're going to do with your life, it doesn't matter to me whether you are president of the United States or whether you are the guy that picks up the trash every week in the community. You know, if three things are met, number one, you're doing something that you enjoy. Okay. It matters to you. You enjoy doing it. Number two, you are providing for your family. If you're providing for those you love, that's a biblical thing. And number three, you're providing or performing a service that makes somebody else's life better. So those three things for me are the, the, the three criteria that I've laid out for my children that how do you know if what you do in life is what you should be doing? Absolutely. That's sort of where even to, to build off of what Mr. Napoleon over there was saying, where that faith element comes in, 
there has to be something more, there has to be a, a deeper quality of our life more than just living, breathing, and dying. There has to be, become a point of, of a self-examination of what are my desires, but not only that, but how are those desires lining up with the role that God has for me? Because they go hand in hand. God puts in us desires. He, he gives us because he has a plan for it, but so many men go throughout life and We've got this mindset that, all right, well, my thoughts of God, that that deals with faith. That deals with my religion. That deals with my worship. But we've got to get to the point to where we marry those two thoughts together and we bring God into every facet of our life. He is concerned and he is interested in all 24 hours of our day and all seven days of our week, not just necessarily what we do on Sunday. Socrates is the one who said the unexamined life is not worth living, and I think the Apostle Paul had some thoughts about that as well. Along those lines, uh, three things to look out for just with that. Uh, one would be the love of money, right? When we're, when we're trying to find like a career, you, you talked about your uh, overtrack, you talked about with your, your children, and, and even, even my boys when they grow up, just warning them about not chasing the love of money, right? And going back to what you said about provide, so you need money there. Even idleness and, and pride and arrogance, those are kind of on the other side of, of what to look out for. That'll cause a person to stumble. But you know, if you enjoy it, if you're doing a service, if you're providing and you're giving the glory to God, that's, that's definitely something to, to, to try to accomplish. Uh, men should note that, their work in life, what they're doing with themselves day in and day out. There's some standards for being able to say that this is meaningful and and it's rewarding. It is restorative to a man's soul. The rewarding work is very helpful to a man's soul. Now, Dr. Dean, I know you have an interest in this one. Just uh, you were expressing some thoughts offline about the importance of this one. But one of the things that we had listed to talk about was how a woman's heart is vital to restoring a man's soul. We cannot be complete in and of ourselves. We go back to Genesis. It's not good for the man to be alone. And while we've talked about the fellowship of other men, God didn't give Adam another man. He gave him a woman. So when we when we look at the the different topics that we've talked about so far, to me, this is the most important. Apart from my relationship with my heavenly Father, the next one in line is my wife. You know, I need to make. And we we talked a lot before about just society today. And it is very common to hear someone say, the most important thing to me is my children. You, you, you hear that a lot, right, in, in today's society. Uh, but something we need to understand is we, we've got to take care of our spouse first so we can take care of our children. When you're on a plane, for example, the flight attendant is they always instruct you to put your mask on first. So that way... If there was an emergency, you put your mask on first, and then you can help the person next to you. Well, if it's your children, you know, if, if I got little Roland Napoleon and then the littlest Roland Napoleon sitting next to me, my instincts are to put their mask on first, right? Because those are my boys. Those are my children. Um, the protector comes out of me. But if my mask isn't on and I cannot breathe, how can I take care of them? comes to our spouse of the woman in our life, you know, flesh of my flesh, bones of my bones, we, we're to take care of her because if we can't, if I can't take care of my wife and her heart is not complete and I'm not fulfilling my role of a godly hu husband, how can I be a godly father? 
How can I go to work and give God the glory for what I'm doing there? It, it's it's twofold. Everybody that will criticize or everybody that will offer negative viewpoints, a lot of those we can let roll off of our, roll off of our backs. But the one that is the hardest to overcome is for our wife is if we feel like our wife is not in our corner. Man, so many men live defeated lives. They've got great accolades from work. They've got great accolades everywhere else, yet they are despised at home by their wife. And you can look and they are crushed on the inside. So I, th- I think if we're not careful, I think there's a lot of men that, that see their restoration outside of home, getting into other things. So if we have that proper viewpoint of how our wife restores our soul and how that relationship with her, then we'll want to give more attention to it. But I believe that a lot of men are very dismissive about home. And it's like, well, the old lady, she'll catch up and she'll get up to speed. And if she don't like it, well, that ain't that big of a deal. I'm just going to plug along and, you know, I've got to be a man. And one of the the most underappreciated illustrations that are out there is that of the the triangle with with God at the top. And then you have that illustration of the man and the woman on each side, right? So the closer you get to each other does not guarantee that you're going to get closer to, to God. But the closer you each get to God, uh, the, the closer you're going to get to one another, and that completes that. So going back to um, how does it restore a man's soul, think about it this way. If your wife, you know, as the Bible says, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies, if your wife is getting closer and closer to God and you know that you have a prayer warrior in your corner and you know you have that, that will truly restore a man's soul. Let me let me explore a couple of uh, some examples. Okay, let me throw out some examples of how a woman restores a man's heart. What about her beauty? Does your wife's beauty restore your soul? Do you need that? Do you appreciate that? Is there something you find in that? I'm talking about physical beauty. I'm talking about her inner beauty, which I think you know both of you have alluded to already or stated outright. But the beauty of a woman's heart, the beauty of a woman's presence is something that's very restorative to a man because we're not finding that in the fellowship of men. Right. We're not finding that in our even in our work necessarily, not the same kind. For, for me, you know, just my wife has a very simple smile, not like a boy, I'm just, you know, beaming with happiness, you know, kind of Cheshire grin type thing, but just like a, a pleasant, peaceful grin type thing that'll develop. But I, I think, I think you, you get what I'm driving at. It's, it's just, it's just a simple little, probably to everybody else kind of goes unnoticed, but to me, it is very reassuring that she is, you know, in a in a good place in life and that restores me because of whatever chaos that I may have had to face throughout the day that she may not have been a part of she may not have been a part of the of the battle that I faced at work or anything like that to be able to come home and to see that that is a a token and a reminder that and this this is a gift that God has given me it is beautiful and it can kind of help melt away all of the headaches of the day uh, you know, when you, when you talk about the beauty of a woman, her heart, her physical beauty, there is a sweetness to the woman's soul that we will lack yep. if we don't have that. There is grace that the woman brings into the home and the family dynamic. There's grace that she brings into our lives. We draw from one another as men a certain type of grace. 
we draw strength. You know, that's a type of grace. We, we, we draw that grit and determination from one another. We bring out the best of one another for tackling obstacles like climbing mountains that we talked about earlier. But our wives bring a grace into our life that just, in my mind, I'm thinking back to the Psalm 23. I'm thinking about the green pastures and the still waters, the beauty of that pastoral scene. Our wives play a vital role in that for us each and every day, as you have alluded to, to come back out of the the world, to come back out of all the mess, and to come back to a place of beauty and grace. I think also a wife or a woman's affirmation Mm -hmm. to our soul is critical to being restored. You both kind of alluded to this or made mention of this. You know, your wife's words can be the most heavy, the heaviest, have the most impact. We need so much more than, and, and you need to hear me affirm you, and I need to hear you men affirm me, and I like to get that from you. But more than that is when the wife affirms us, that is what helps us become genuine supermen. Yeah, I think that in my own life, I look back at some, some very difficult decisions that I've had to made uh, to make, and I, I've prayed over that, and I really sought the Lord for that. But being able to get those words of affirmation from my wife, who I know is a godly woman, uh, beautiful inside and out, and she's doing her best to seek the Lord's will as well. And we go, we go about that together. And and despite what others say, despite all the the critics and so forth. Uh, all the negativity and the doubts when 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 you have a as Corey was saying when you have a godly woman at home in your corner supporting you and giving you those those words of affirmation it, it really does help well i got one other thing i think that something that is necessary to restoring a man's soul is the glorious quest of adventure let me share with you a quote by john krakauer Where men win glory. So many people live with unhappy circumstances and yet will not take the initiative to change their situation because they are conditioned to a life of security, conformity, and conservation. The very basic core of a man's living spirit is his passion for adventure. The joy of life comes from our encounters with new experiences, and hence there is no greater joy than to have an endlessly changing horizon for each day to have a new and different sun. So there you have it. The glorious quest of adventure. Why is this important and necessary to a man's soul to be restored? I think every man wants to accomplish something that has never been done before. There is that that mind-numbing quality that comes by the same old, same old. You know, this that, that safety, that security that's been mentioned. You know, well, I, I know if I don't rock the boat here, I know this is the this is the end result and this is the outcome. And then you're you're on that path and there's no there's nothing rewarding to it because you're just filling the role of expectation. You know, there's something exciting about even the boss at work comes to you and says, "Hey, I know this hasn't been done before. Can you do it? We think you'd be good for it." I, there's a thrill in that of, yeah, I mean, so what? This company's been around for 100 years and nobody's ever done this before. Let me knock it out. Let me take care of this. And I think that would fall maybe kind of under the small-scale adventure type category, but I do think it gives some insight into the hunger that we as men have to to do something. I, I agree. And one thing, too, um, it, it, it was quoted before, you know, uh, complacency, complacency is man's biggest weakness. And you, you think about just wanting adventure, and what's the opposite of that is is you achieve a little bit of success in your life, and uh, all of a sudden you get lazy, you get complacent. And um, you feel very unfulfilled, 
right? You, there, you, you're tired and you just uh, miserable, but having that, having that adventure and wanting to, as you said, easy target, wanting to be the first, uh, maybe in your family to accomplish something, or maybe just test yourself as a man, you know, can I do that? Can I climb this mountain? Can I uh, learn this new skill and use it for the better good? And I, I agree wholeheartedly. That is definitely a way to restore the man's heart. With with any adventure, with any new adventure, you're going to have adversity, right? When anytime you try to do something new or you try to explore, you know, we're talking about, of course, an obvious conversation here is the hikes that we go on. But I think of just in my own life, different promotions that I've had or different new jobs that I've had to learn or new roles I've had to take on. that adversity creeps in and not only are you trying to take on something new and not only are you trying to, you know, achieve something, now you're trying to overcome the challenges and the doubt that come with it. You know, you think of Nehemiah, for example, he had common people and I want to say it was 52 days. They rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem and that was a challenge, right? That was something that they had to face a lot of adversity, a lot of the of the enemy trying to discourage them. But they uh, had that adventure of doing uh, rebuilding those walls, and they did it in a very short time. The idea of adventure is sometimes when we, when people hear that, they're thinking about, oh, I'm going to go on a sea voyage, or adventure is traveling to another country or an exotic place, or adventure is climbing the mountains. And all those things are adventures. Those are great adventures. And every man should have adventures like that. But I was just thinking, you know, even in that quote that I read at the beginning, he talks about passion for adventure. And then he mentions things like new experiences, changing horizons, new and different suns. And I was thinking about all the ways that adventure comes to our life every day or in other ways besides, you know, a pack and a mountain. Career changes are adventurous. And a lot of people, a lot of men don't want to enter into that adventure. They're just... They'll stay where they are because it's comfortable, it's locked in place, and there's security. Children, you know, having children is an adventure. And then the transitions that come in a child's life, all those stages they go through, those are adventurous. Moving is an adventure. There'll be adventures that you will invite into your life, and there'll be adventures that God will bring into your life that you didn't really ask for and weren't looking for. Physical sickness can be an adventure. Not the one you're looking for, but, you know, something that that God will allow you to go through. But then projects, you know, things you do around the house, making your wife a blanket ladder. That's crooked. Whatever in the world a blanket ladder is. (laughs) I mean, I've never even known a blanket that needed to climb anywhere, but your blankets have a ladder. It's more to, you know, well, I'm not even going to try to explain it. It's, I guess it's decorative. It made my wife happy. It but restored your soul it, to do that. It restored my soul to get that project done. Because let me tell you what, I that is not a restorative thing for me. But bringing joy to my wife is restorative. Bring adventure into your everyday life. And sometimes it's as simple as going a different route. Yep. Drive in a different direction. I, I didn't realize that until before all this you know, pandemic season started happening. But one day, the family and I decided, you know what? We've, we've got to get out of the house. Let's just go for a drive. And, you know, we normally go to town. There We live from our undisclosed location. We live kind of in between two relatively big, big-er cities by our standards. Metropolis. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, we used to always go to town, hop on the interstate, and, you know, try to get there as fast as we could. And so this time we thought, you know what, we're just going to take the back roads. We're going to we're gonna go out through 
you know, a small town and, and just take the back way. And I think it took maybe a whopping three minutes longer to get to our destination going that way. But the joy of the family, the the relaxation of pace and, and just seeing some different things, going a new way. Uh, we even did it without Google Maps. Mm. And and just turn down a couple of roads just to kind of see where they Broke went. Broke away from your millennial ways. I'm telling you, you know, this, this whole thing has been just eye opening. But the but this was a Cantrell family adventure, and and that was one day. My wife took me to the cheesecake factory. Well, I took her, but it was her idea. Yeah, man, was that, was that adventurous? <laughs> adventure that was. That was just adventurous. <laughs> reading the nutritional facts labeled on all those cheesecakes. That's a week's worth of calories in one slice of quote food. Just a week's worth. Well, yeah, just the smell it is enough calories. Enough yeah. <laughs> well, I was just going to say lots of ways to be adventurous. I mean, try eating your dessert first. My papa does that every church potluck. How about tell him try <laughs> eating his regular food first? Maybe maybe try wearing your clothes inside out one day. It'd mm. be an adventure. Okay, scratching all that, moving <laughs> on. You know, it's uh, time to start wrapping this this thing up. It's been a good couple of podcast recordings here as we've been talking about the restoration of a man's soul. And your soul is is vital. It's, it's something that if you're not taking care of your soul, it can dry up. It can be damaged. It can be lost. But the world, your community, your home, your church, your wife, your children, they need your soul as a man to be strong and to be thriving. And God is going to restore our soul if we'll allow him to. And he uses so many things like what we've talked about today and and many more things we could discuss. But thank the Lord that we can have our soul restored. I'm glad that number one thing we talked about is the shepherding of Christ and just allowing the Lord to restore our soul. But I want to say thank you to uh, Roland Napoleon for being our guest on two podcast episodes these days. Yeah, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Again, thank you for being here. We'll we'll get Napoleon, rolling Napoleon back with us sometime, assuming that he survives our upcoming adventures and outings. We'll get him back on the Code of Man podcast. And uh, this is Mike Overtrek Barnett, and I just want to thank everybody for listening. And until next time, I'm wishing happy trails to you. And good morning and good afternoon and good night from Easy Target. One of these days, you're both going to get a new sign-off. One day. No. In the heart of a champion, there is a fire, and the flames are controlled by burning desire to be the best you can be, so everyone will see. Champion.